For many people, just becoming visible online is a challenge. But once you've got that nailed down, how do you turn that into a business? How do you navigate the complex world of funnels, lead magnets, ads and webinars? This week, my guest is the funnel queen, Teresa Heath-Waring, and she's going to walk me through all of this and some simple tips anyone can use to start on their lead generation journey. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. So if you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe. That way you won't miss new episodes and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Teresa. So this week I am thrilled to welcome Teresa Heath Waring to the show. Teresa has been on my list for over a year, so I'm really excited to finally get to spend some time with you, Teresa. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, why don't you start just by introducing a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you normally do? Sure thing. So I am a social media and digital marketing consultant, trainer and international speaker. I am based in the fairly rural-ish part of England in Shropshire. Um, And basically I help entrepreneurs and business owners all over the world better market themselves and market and grow their online products through uh, teaching them in my academy and through my 90-day programme. Now, when I first came across you, it was uh, Andrew and Pete's Atomicon, not this last uh, one just gone, the the virtual one, but the real one last March. Yeah, a long time ago. It feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Yeah. And I remember being blown away by your presentation on funnels and funnel strategy Um, and basically how to move people from audience to having bought something from you. So I was really keen to explore that a little bit and ask some of my, what we would call up where I am, daft laddie questions. <laughs> that is um, absolutely fine. I love this type of questions. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you say, obviously you have your own podcast, which is doing pretty well. What's quite interesting with you is a lot of people that I have on the show that work in the marketing field, they are often what you might call the, the consultant type. And consultants tend to do things in quite a linear way, the way everybody's always done things. So they go to networking events, they win their work through referral, or they win it through paid ads, things like that. But consultants tend to work within a catchment area a lot of the time. That's not always the case. There are lots of sort of internet types that also come on the podcast. But you're quite an interesting contrast in that You've done the traditional marketing piece, but moved into this online space very effectively, very quickly. And you've done it with a degree of expertise, which is quite unusual. So I'm keen to also understand not just what you do, but how you learned it, because it's complicated, nerdy stuff. So first off, thank you for saying that. I, you know, I don't think about that transition very often. I remember it being a wee bit scary in terms of going from 
having an agency as such and consulting to then moving over to virtually being entirely online and only having online products. But for me, I think what how this kind of came about was I did a degree literally 16, 17 years ago now in marketing. So I have a BA on as in marketing. So first off, I think that's fairly interesting for, and it sounds daft, but sometimes in the digital marketing space, you don't find people have always come from marketing, which seems odd, but that is the case. Um, so one, I had done marketing forever and I'd worked for loads of different businesses, but I'd always been employed. Like... I'd never ever had the vision or the even kind of the what's the word for it like impulsion no compulsion to to start my own business I always wanted to work for someone else I was a very good employee I liked being employed and I was really risk averse so I did loads of different things which gave me a huge plethora of sort of experience and knowledge so I had ran the head of corporate marketing for Land Rover, doing very traditional things, doing events. So a big, massive brand like that, right the way down to a teeny tiny company where I had to do everything, including coming up with like fax campaigns or creating little brochures by myself, probably in paint or publisher or something dreadful like that. So I had kind of done a huge amount of stuff and then I worked for an agency and although I loved working for the agency, I just got to the point where a few things in my life had changed. I'd ended up being a single parent and I just got to the point where I thought, you know what, I just really need to be happy and do stuff for myself now. So I decided that I needed a new job, handed in my notice and decided what sounds like very arrogantly, but I can assure you that is not me. Um, I'm sure I'll get another job. I'm really good at marketing. And I was, I am, you know, I, I eat, sleep, breathe this stuff. So put my notice in, gave them eight weeks notice and I got about three weeks in and nothing was forthcoming. And basically with my back up against the wall, I had got, you know, a mortgage to pay, a child that I had to feed and look after. And I had... I had no option of a job. So I thought, what if I start my own business? I must have had an early midlife crisis or something because, you know, this is crazy talk when you literally have no husband to support you and no rich parents and no savings either. So I went into this in the worst possible way you could have done. But I started off doing the consultancy, doing the kind of more agency done for you stuff. But then what happened was the digital side was getting more and more prevalent. And these were in the days of like, Mari Smith and Kim Gast, I remember they were like the first things I did. And I started to do online webinars, which back then, like six years ago, which doesn't sound very long ago, but in our world, it feels like it was a long time ago. I was doing these webinars and I was doing these these training online. And I remember being at home and Mari Smith called out my name and I was like, oh my God, Mari Smith has just said my name. And I thought this was absolutely amazing. So I started to learn and then I started to watch some of these people and they had done the transition of, they went from working for someone to working for themselves, thinking I'm gonna get all this time, I no longer report to anybody, I'm my own boss. And then realizing that as a agency or a consultant, no, I didn't have one boss. I had about 17 of them. And they, you know, all thought, oh great, we're going to, you know, use Teresa's time and I can contact her at any point and she'll come in and see me. And and it was getting really, really difficult. So 
for me, I started looking at those online people thinking, this is amazing. Like, how do you do this? How how could I do this? And I literally went and, and learned from the best. I signed up to lots of courses, but did lots of courses. I put myself in the space of other people who are phenomenal at this stuff. So the James Wedmore's this world, and the Amy Porterfield's of this world. And I went and learned from them. And, and with my marketing knowledge of one of my greatest skills is I can you know, feel like I can put myself in any customer's position and be able to then use the the language that they need and the inspiration that they need to make the purchase. So for me, with my marketing knowledge, my marketing experience and all those good years, then add on the digital stuff that everyone else was learning. And it just hopefully kind of came to a really um, good combination, having both of those things. And then I just worked really hard on my personal brand, tried to show up everywhere, tried to do all the talks, and I love it. And one thing that I get told all the time is that my passion comes through. So for me, if I didn't get paid for this stuff, if I didn't have to get paid, if you know I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd still do it because I, I literally love this stuff. And what sort of time period was there between you deciding, okay, online looks awesome, and actually being there where, hey, my business is all online. Mm. So I reckon you're talking at least 18 months, two years. And the reason for that, I just want to explain briefly, is the fact that I sat on it for too long. I knew all the stuff, right? So I knew what to do. I had been doing it. So once I kind of started to transition, or once I not transition into the online world, but once I was learning more and more about the online world, my consultancy and marketing started to change. So instead of consulting a business that was maybe a high street business, I was then consulting personal brands on how they could launch their online products. So I was already doing it. I'd done it for other people for at least a year or two before I'd started, because I kind of started, as soon as I started learning, I started taking on clients for it. So I'd done it, I'd got the experience, I knew what to do, I'd tested stuff out. But do you know what? When it came to me putting myself out there and saying to the world, hey, look, this is me. This is who I am. I've just put together this course or I've just done this thing. I was terrified. I was literally terrified because what if no one bought it? What if I actually didn't know anything? What if the person who teaches other people how to do this couldn't do it for herself? Mm. Like it literally held me back. So if I hadn't have been so nervous, I probably could have done it within six to 12 months. But the, the other thing I want to mention about this is I went from having a very successful business with a team of like six, seven people getting an in income from only agency. And I literally had to like almost sack off or not replace or change or give them to my staff and say, right, you can now have these people because I don't want to do this anymore and I can't have that responsibility of them. I had to make all these changes where I was actively getting rid of money coming into my business so that I could free myself up. And that was terrifying as well, because it was like, I had a really successful business and I literally just halted that overnight because I knew that if I hadn't given myself enough time, um, that I wouldn't, you've got to have the time and, and trying to do the both, trying to still run the agency and do all that sort of thing, as well as then 
do all the interviews and start a podcast and speak on stage and be at events. And especially because like last year I did 26 flights. So I was out of the country so much and I couldn't have run an agency and I couldn't have run, even though it was still all online, I couldn't have done it if I, you know, while still trying to manage all that at the same time. So that was a scary point. And it was almost like I was brand new again. It was almost like I'm starting a brand new business and taking that brand new risk again and it was it was pretty pretty hairy in the in the early days because you know i'd got used to what we earn we we live you know as everybody does to their means and and we had to make some adjustments and i had to make some adjustments and but the other thing i didn't want to do is get rid of the team so some of them reduced with what they did some of them do something slightly different but it was pretty scary to to make that transition because this view of selling a digital product like a course or a membership and it's a get rich quick is absolutely not the case at all no it's a lot of work huge amount and you just can't do that while trying to do something else so i knew if i wanted to give it a really good go and it was a hard conversation you know my husband and i had to sit down and go right what does this mean if i do this and taking that step and going do you know what that client's gone, I'm doing no effort to replace them. And actively now, actually, what is quite nice is when people come to me, I can go, no, we don't do that anymore, but I can pass you on to someone else. So, you know, evidently they, they go to the team, you know, because they're a lot of them are freelance. And But it's actually, and, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful for the clients that I work with and I learned lots and, and it was wonderful working with them. But it is kind of nice now that I get to go no. And we yeah. do still have a couple of clients, actually. I have a couple of people that still work with us that the team manage for me, so I don't manage them. But, you know, they're wonderful and I love them to bits and that's great. But most of them, you know, one way or another, we we got to the point of going, yeah, we can't do this. So, so yeah, it was an interesting transition. I think there's a lot of parallels to my own story as well. I mean, I went through a similar experience of, sort of divesting myself of 90% of my business because it just wasn't ringing my bell at all. I just found that, and I don't know if you felt this as well, that I was on a hamster wheel of sales just to keep a lot of people going who didn't really seem to be into what I was doing anyway. Yeah, and um, I, I just think it's, I just didn't want to be accountable anymore. I was on stages talking and I loved it. And I didn't want to, I remember being at an event where I was speaking and I was getting ready to be on stage within the next hour or two. And it's, you know, it was a big audience and I was nervous because I always get nervous, although I love it. And I've got a client messaging me like, oh my God, we've got a problem with this. And the other thing is, that's really interesting, <laughs> is like, I used to work in an industry. So I, one of my jobs when I was employed was in the care industry. And I got into it through the marketing department and then I got promoted to director and ended up being director of a service. Now, I didn't do it very long, a couple of years, because I thought this is not what I should be doing because this is not my bag. But we had children in care that horrendous things was happening to them. You know, terrible situations would happen. You know, come the weekend, they didn't go into a cupboard and come out Monday. And when I started back, like in traditional marketing, so I left that job after a couple of years and I went back to an agency um because although I still did an element of it like I said I had way too much responsibility when the, when it came to the children and when I went back to the agency the relief of do you know what no one is going to die if we send out a tweet with a spelling mistake and mm. sometimes the clients don't see it that way whereas I just totally do like 
you know, yeah, we made a mistake and you know what, we're human and we don't make many, but I refuse to, when having dealt with an industry like that, where literally, you know, terrible things are happening to, to children, you literally have to put it in perspective and go, this is marketing. And it was that urgency and that kind of like, we need this doing now that I was just like, yeah, that isn't going to work for me, I'm afraid. You know, in the nicest sense of the word, I want to be really helpful and, and create a good product for you, but it's not going to work. And did you also feel at the time, okay, there's all this freedom. I don't want to be accountability. I can choose my own path. I don't really have to worry about these seemingly if there's any clients listening, I don't mean it this way. No, not at Tri- all. Trivial <laughs> concerns of clients when you're trying to build something amazing. So you've got that going on on one hand, but on the other hand, you used to have a big business. You used to be important and your ego is suffering because what are all these people who used to be your competitors thinking of? What's happened to her? She must have, she must have been in trouble. Yeah. You know what? That is really funny. So... In Shropshire, where I live, obviously I had competition because I was an agency and we'd go and get the small stuff and, you know, we'd go and get clients together. I did do the networking thing. I did, you know, work with lots of local clients, amazing people. And I people really did like me when I started to do more speaking and started to step up a bit more. And this was before I moved over to the digital side completely. But, you know, it is funny because I... Obviously, I'm still in Shropshire. And what happens is whenever I do something in Shropshire, I get people saying mean things, right? Which, you know how everyone's terrified to show themselves online because of trolls and people saying horrible stuff. I can tell you pretty much hand on heart, I don't think I can think of one example that wasn't someone who lived within probably a 20 mile radius of my house. Like, it's not it's not the rest of the world that were like intimidated or angry or hated me. It was the people who literally were just down the road and knew me from when I was there, which always made me laugh because it's like, I'm no competitor to you now. I don't offer what you offer. I don't want to do what you do. I'm not trying to build a big agency with, you know, lots of graphic designers and websites I might have done at some point, but not now. I do something entirely different, but yeah, it didn't, it is funny because sometimes I do like it to be like, look, I I have got a really good business here and I, I'm really well respected and I get this and I get that. And then you just have to part your ego and go, do you know what? It is what it is. And I, I've had a couple of local, I had a local magazine that's got a fairly big readership in Shropshire do a piece on me. And again, I was terrified. It went out and I just thought someone's going to say something, someone's going to put something up. And then I just didn't pay any attention. Mm. And like I said, it's not, it's not the rest of the world you've got to worry about. It's like literally people on your doorstep. But, but yeah, I think I just had to focus. And I'm a big fan of saying, stay in your own lane, like put my head down, get on and do my thing. And, and the other thing that you sort of alluded to when you, you asked this question was, one of the things I did, because like you said, I went from being successful, I went from being, you know, working with big people and doing big accounts and, you know, and then literally gave it all up. And if it, and I did worry that if anybody ever went in to check my, you know, limited company stuff, they'd be like, what happened? Because literally it disappeared. But then what I did instead is instead of looking at the money and looking at what 
big job I'd won, I looked at like some person that I've never met and never heard of contacting me, telling me they listened to my podcast and how amazing it was, or someone sharing an Instagram story about me speaking and how brilliant they thought it was. And I literally took every single teeny tiny win I could take. So although it felt in the early days and still to an extent now where, you know, you wish you had the millions of followers and you wish you had, you know, the thousands of people in your memberships and your programs and your courses and you watch someone else doing a massive thing and that you think, oh, I'm not there yet. But I think the mistake that people make with the online world in particular is that they don't love the people that they've got. So for me, when I first opened the membership, I shut the doors at like 30 people and I loved those 30 people. Like literally couldn't love on them anymore. Every time someone sends me a message or replies to my email or DMs me, it might take me a bit of time to get back to you, but I always do, you know, because I I need to appreciate and love every single person that that does the same to me. So those were what I focused on rather than okay, I've not bringing in loads of money this month or I've not got this big contract or sat in this fancy office with these people. And yeah, so I I focused on something different. So what I would like to look at now is funnels. And I will make a confession. I don't have a funnel. So what the hell, Bob? Um, <laughs> I say that rather crassly. Of course, I have a little bit of a funnel. But things like webinars, Facebook ads, lead magnets, email lists. If you take the average small business owner through to an aspiring marketer, so to speak, this is often where things get a bit choppy because it's quite straightforward. I say quite straightforward. It's personally challenging for a lot of people, but it's fairly easy to sort of build a personal brand, to do the social media, do the content marketing, to build an audience to an extent. But to build a system that connects that audience to a value exchange. That's really challenging. And when I watched you at Atomicon sort of map out these funnels, I thought, that's just witchcraft. So if you were to take somebody that's, okay, they've they've built a bit of a social media audience, they, they have a, a productized course or a membership, how would you take them from that point to being able to close that gap for the value exchange? So I think the first thing I want to say is that sometimes people think of funnels and webinars and they think, oh my goodness, like this is huge. And you know what, when you look at some people's stuff and you look at mine today, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of, you know, when we talk about lead magnets, I have like six or seven on the go at any one time. But you know what? I've been doing this ages. So I think in the first instance, the first thing to think about is simple or as simple as you can do it. So when we talk systems, which is normally the things people want to know, they want to know what system do I use? How do I do that? Because they get the overall understanding of it, but it's like actually in practice, how do I do that? So for me, you need to get people off the social media. And when I say off, I don't mean you're no longer dealing with them on social media. They're still going to follow you on Instagram. You're still going to post in Facebook, but you need to get them onto your own list because that's super, super important. Because if something was to happen tomorrow and I give some great and terrible examples in the sense of I've 
had people come to me who literally have built their entire business using Instagram and someone hacked their account and wiped the entire thing. Like they had something like 70 something thousand followers. It was so devastating and there was nothing they could do about it. So that's why I harp on all the time about building that email list. So in a very basic way, all you've got to do is have something that you can give someone that they want, that fixes their problem, that helps them and is in line with what you're selling. And then you need to offer it them on social media. You need to maybe put an advert out or put it on your social media or put it on your website or put it on your cover photo of your Facebook account put it in your group and just basically tell the world and not just once, many, many times. So I get this all the time, just as a side note, they'll come to me and go, that lead magnet isn't working. Okay, how many people have you adopted into it? Five. And I'm like, oh, and how many, how many times have you put it out? I put it on Instagram and I put it on Facebook. I was like, so basically you put it out twice and you've had five people opt into it and you're telling me it's not working. Like try putting it out 50 times and have no one opt in and then tell me it's not working. I I am literally climbing into my box of shame right now. (laughs) Oh, Bob, I'm so sorry. This is, I promise, this is a safe space. You can talk about this. Um, This is the thing, and I think this is the honesty that I try and bring across because sometimes I think all this is made out to be way too easy. And it isn't like, so building that email list, getting those people on, finding the thing that they want, because that's the other thing. You could go to all this effort, create this lead magnet. And actually that's not the big pain point that they need help with. So, so that's the first step you need. You need them to, to want something that you can help them with. So firstly, like preamble way before this is you need to know your customers really well, which is a marketing basic that I harp on about all the time. But so once you've kind of got this thing and you're getting them on your list, basically you need a landing page. And I always suggest a landing page or a pop-up box, something that you can do in Active Campaign or Convert Kit. You can even do it in MailChimp, although it's not amazing for it in my opinion. Um So you just need something like that. And then what happens is when they opt in, a funnel is they go to a thank you page and can you do something on that thank you page? So normally I'd encourage you to get them to follow you on a social media platform. Or if you go to my stuff, my thank you page normally says, uh, go check your emails, go listen to my podcast. It gives you three steps. And the third one is go check out the Academy. It's really good. Um, if I'm running up to doing a, a webinar, then every thank you page I have will be sort of diverted to a thank you page that says, Hey, hang on, you've just signed up for this. I'm doing a webinar soon. Do you want to sign up for that? So use that thank you page. But then what happens is you send emails out. So your system and the ones I've mentioned can all do this. They basically say when they do this thing, when they fill in that box, send them to this thank you page and send them these emails. And you ideally want two, three, four emails that we talk about onboarding emails that explain to them kind of, you know, here's the thing you've asked for. Obviously, that's the very first thing you need to do is deliver the thing they've asked for. And then show them that you know what situation they're in. You know how, you know, they struggle with X, Y, Z, or you've been there too. And that's why you went and did this thing or why you've put together this academy or whatever it is. And that's where you do the warming up and introducing. And I actually, on email four, I actually say, if you want the good stuff, it's in the academy. 
Now, do I expect that to convert highly? No, not at all. But I am introducing it to them. So it's like, okay, she mentioned the Academy on the thank you page. She mentioned the Academy on my on my emails that I got from her. And then I now get a regular email from her. I'm on her email list and she emails me every Wednesday. This is the other key bit about a funnel that people don't think about. So they're thinking about, you know, the sales and the and the move from here to here to here. But there is a period of time where, so if you got on my email list like months ago through a lead magnet, you're just getting my weekly emails and you're probably seeing other things and I'm encouraging you to listen to the podcast. But my weekly emails are all about adding value. So my Wednesday email, I call it my love letter, okay? So I imagine I am writing this letter to one of the people on my list and how would I speak to them if I was talking directly to them? It's not a newsletter, it's not a sales letter and it's definitely not a, hey, I've got a podcast out this week because hopefully they've seen I have a podcast and hopefully they listen to it anyway. So I treat it as separate content and I give them something different. So this week I talked about the story of how I got to do a TEDx talk and how I nearly didn't get the chance. Um, And, you know, that's, there's no real learning other than the fact of, you know, what are you potentially missing out on by not doing something or not taking a risk or not taking a step. So there is a bit of learning, but next week I might give them five things for Instagram or, you know, the week after I might give them a funnel conversation. So, so I treat that as different. You won't get that anywhere else. Um, so that's the other thing you've got to be loving on those people between that point and that point. So, so then what, whether a funnel comes in, in terms of converting them, you need to launch somehow. And when I say launch, it's not necessarily launch as in it's just opening, but you need to create some excitement around the thing that you're selling. So even if you have an open cart scenario, i.e. you're selling all the time, you still want periods throughout your year where you can create more of a fuss about it. So for instance, I'll have a five-day list building challenge and the option at the end of the five-day list building challenge is to get them into the academy. So they might get a special offer or they might get a bonus or they might get something else. The academy is actually, the cart is going to close, which will be the first time I've closed it since I opened it at the end of October. And so weirdly, I'm having a masterclass in order to get ready for the close. You know, it's already open. They could join at any point. But because I know I've got to create, a, you know, some activity around it, um, I need to do something. So so a webinar, a masterclass, a challenge, a live launch, all of those things are great. And what you're effectively doing is you're giving them some kind of example of what it is they're going to buy because inevitably an online thing is a training a teaching a coaching so the idea of creating this free content is that they get an idea of what's coming so once you've kind of got them in they're in your funnel they're you know they're getting your regular emails then you set up a load of emails to those people to say hey actually I've got this thing and I think it's really good and this is where um, the funnel thing comes into play. So when you come into my email list, let's say, and you download the launch checklist, that's one of my lead magnets I've got out there currently that talks all about how to launch and the various points you need to go through. Or you came in and you downloaded my uh, social media managers checklist, which is basically how to proactively do engagement on social media. Even though I both, I want both of you to come 
to this masterclass, I might speak differently to both of those people. So for instance, for the launch people, I might focus on the fact of, um, you know, in the masterclass, we're going to talk about taking a product online. That might be just one of the things we talk about, but that's how I focus it in their email. In the people who did the social media management thing, I might talk about the fact of, you know, the importance of social media when you're selling using digital products or whatever. So that's where the beauty comes in really. And that's where the kind of part of the funnel stuff really starts to come to play because it it says, I know you, I know what you downloaded, I know what you liked, and I know that you're interested in this. The same way as when we start going into the sales aspect, even though effectively you're selling one thing, saying to those launch people, right, in the academy, there is a whole sales page training, there is a lead magnet training, there is landing page training, there is like basically all these things that are going to really help you launch, but then saying to the social media people, right, in there, there is a Facebook ads course, there is a Instagram stories, there is an Instagram course. All you're doing is it's the same product and all that stuff is in there. You're just using the information you've already built about them in order to better market to them. Does that make sense? Absolutely nailed it. A lot of people's experience of a website is they hire a website designer, they build the website, they pay the invoice, you're on your own, guys. And that leaves them quite exposed when they speak to people like you and I and they're being told, okay, you're going to need a landing page for this and a thank you page. Uh, In fact, you probably want landing pages for each of your lead magnets. And they go, yeah, but how on earth am I meant to do this without rehiring that web designer who frankly won't have a clue what I'm now asking him for. Because <laughs> they, um, they built a website, not stuff to do with funnels. <laughs> yeah, the web designers are great at building websites, but they don't know digital marketing. They certainly don't know what I would qualify as internet marketing. Now, I know there are a lot of on-site build, uh, online builders and WordPress plugins for this, but if somebody was particularly, if they weren't a digital native, how would you advise them? to do this, even if it's going to cost a little bit of money. Being sensible, how should they do it? So there's a few options. So one of the options I did to begin with is I did bring someone in and I was like, okay, you're an expert at this. I need you to build this for me. However, I soon discovered I didn't like not being able to control it. And the beauty of having an online product is that I can go in and add a course to it, or I can go in and update a course, or I can go in and build an extra page because I've just thought of a brilliant idea for a landing page or for a lead magnet. So for me, I wanted the control on it. Now, will I always want that control? Absolutely not. You know, the day I can hand all this over to someone else, great. I will look forward to that day. But I think especially when you're first starting off, it's actually really important to try and do as much as this as you possibly can, only so you know how it works. So there are certain systems out there that for me kind of really help in terms of getting you to a quick base knowledge and being very intuitive and user-friendly. So one of the very first systems I used, and actually I did a, a qualification with them in conversion marketing, which was another thing I did in those early days, was lead pages. So lead pages um, just create landing pages and thank you pages. And they talk to other email systems because basically you need something to deliver the email 
and you need the page that they land on. Now, really quickly, a landing page, all I mean by that is a page that sits separately from your site. Now, it could technically still be part of your site, but hidden. But the key thing about the landing page is I don't want your menu bar on there. The only button I want on there is the button that they have to click in order to get the thing and put their details in. Because if you give them, if you do this on, say, you just add an additional page to your website, all they're going to do is go, oh, what's the about us say? Oh, what what's this thing? And then they go off and they forget to do it. So the landing page is a specific page for that sort of thing. And lead pages are brilliant. And then I moved quite a while back now over to Kajabi. Now, if you are serious about having an online business and you want to do a membership or a course, something like Kajabi is actually really, really good. So in Kajabi, now, one of the things that put me off and scared me to begin with was like, I was using lead pages to build my landing page. I was using Infusionsoft, which, wow, that is a very big and complicated and expensive system to send emails. And that would manage the funnels bit, i.e. the automation. If someone does this, make them have this. Um, I was using... Um, oh, what was I using other stuff for? What did I use? So if I was doing webinars, if I was doing events, they'd be done through something separately. The actual course I had that I sold was done through Wishlist Member. So I was using all these systems and the ability for them to all talk together was confusing and hard and and quite frankly, scary because it was like any one of these systems on their own could go wrong. If that's not talking to that one properly, then I've just upset a load of people or sent them something they shouldn't have had. Or So for me, when I went to Kajabi, I made the decision to move there because everything is in-house. So it is an expensive platform when you first look at it. However, when you add up all the other things that you don't need to have, it's actually really cost effective. So but in there, you've got the landing page builder, you've got the email system, you've got the funnels, you've got automation, you can tag them, you can build your course, it's got the payment processor. So if you're starting out and and you can afford to spend a little bit, and I didn't start on Kajabi, but like I said, I did spend money on other things and then thought, actually, this isn't working for me. So if you can afford to spend something on these things, which you do want to, because that's the other thing, like people, they, they're not thinking future ahead. So for instance, they'll be like, well, I'll put this up and if they want it, they can DM me and I'll send it them. And it's like, yeah, that's cool if you're getting one a week. But what if you're getting 10 a day? Like everything I did, I thought for scaling. So anything we do in our business to even to this day, we always think, how might this look if there was 10 times the amount of people? Or how would I deal with this if it was this? So for me, that's why I moved to something like Kajabi fairly early-ish on. Or when I was serious about, right, I'm taking it all online, that's when I moved. And they manage everything in one platform. It all talks to each other. You don't need to worry about, you know, an API breaking or something doing an update and then it breaking something else. So for me, that works really well. Now, some people, that's not their thing. And they really like to use particular systems for particular things. And also, don't get me wrong, you know, Infusionsoft was way cleverer than Kajabi email. However, it was very expensive and very confusing. And you had to get it to talk to the other systems. So 
for me, that's why I went ahead with with Kajabi and just found something that was a nice solution. But there's also other things, you know, I don't know one that does all in all. I know there's Thinkific, but I don't think they manage your emails. Um, and there's lots of email providers. Like I said, you know, you've got ConvertKit and ActiveCampaign that will definitely manage landing pages, opt-in boxes, thank you pages and automation, but they're not the course or the membership side. So for me, if you are serious and you want to do all that, then probably Kajabi's worth a look. And again, I say and again, why do I say and again? I guess alongside that, I looked at um, Kajabi and I found the, the pre-sales, it's quite difficult to understand really what it is that you're potentially buying. And I never really got to the bottom of how they handle or if they handle the community element of a membership site. Yes. Now, do you know how I got, honestly, I get to things in a really strange way. So you know how I got to use Kajabi? I like going to events i like to put myself in front of people's faces which you know in this weird online world actually i'm still very traditional and do like to meet people so i had seen this event that was being put on in irvine in california that was literally like a two-week past an event i was already doing in california and the lineup for this event was phenomenal. Like it was a who's who of the digital marketing world. Brendan Bruchard, Rachel Hollis, Amy Porterfield, Jasmine Starr, James Wedmore, like literally rock stars of this All world. of whom use Kajabi. And <laughs> it's because it was a Kajabi yeah. event, right? So to be to be able to actually buy a ticket, you had to be a Kajabi user. Now, obviously, at that point, I didn't use Kajabi and I didn't want to invest at that point. So I contacted them. They'll probably tell me off for saying this. I contacted them and said, what if I cancelled after the free trial? Can I still go if I've paid for my ticket? And they're like, yeah. So I went to this conference and I swear to goodness, I must have been the only person there who wasn't a Kajabi user. It was quite hilarious. But the community aspect in terms of like how the how they treated the people who used Kajabi, the help they gave them, the support they gave them, the love they gave them, for me was just like, oh, wow, you guys are awesome. They didn't sell once because obviously they didn't need to. They've got a room full of Kajabi users. However, I only had to be in that room for a couple of days to then go, I'm signing up. But in terms of community from a uh, membership point of view, they actually have... A community area. So if you don't want to use Facebook, which obviously lots of online memberships and courses and things do as a group, you can do it all through Kajabi. And they have apps as well. So um, once you've created your membership, it's not that much work. And I don't think any more money to actually turn your membership into an app that then people can use on their phones. So now this is exciting. Mm. It's it's good. It's they're, They've got some great stuff. So I'm looking at the time. I'm thinking we've been going for quite a while now, but I still want to ask you, I mean, it, it's very easy to focus on what's going well, what we're good at. But I'm really curious to know which part of your business do you struggle with? Which part do you look at and go, I find that really difficult or I know this isn't the next step I need to take in my business, but maybe I'm a bit scared of it. How, how, where are you in, in, in that? I think, do you know what, in honesty, I think it happens a lot. I think one thing that's really interesting now, 
I've worked with lots of people in our industry and I've worked with lots of pairs and the pairs are really good. Like when there's two of them, they seem to be really efficient and get stuff done. And not just because there's two of them, but because they almost have that accountability to each other. So I often find that even though I know what to do, that sitting in my own head in my own office on my own, I can go round and round and round in circles and I can procrastinate when really there's no, if, you know, if I was to get someone on a call with me and they were to say, right, Teresa, I'm in this position, which is exactly the same position I was in, I would be able to tell them what to do within a heartbeat. But obviously with your own stuff, it's difficult. So I think for me, um, the time element is a tricky one. Because I can do everything, it means I and maybe not as organised. So for instance, on Monday, so we're recording this on Thursday, on the next Monday coming, my podcast comes out, it comes out every Monday. And on that podcast, I tell people that I'm doing a webinar, a masterclass, a free training, and I tell them where to go, i.e. what the link is. And I haven't actually set that up yet. We have like a weekend and a couple <laughs> of days. And I think that's half the problem because I can do it. Like, it's like, oh yeah, I'll do that. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Oh yeah, I'll do that. So sometimes, even though I know the steps, I'm not giving myself enough time because I know if I'd gone to myself as a client and said, right, you want to do this? This is what I want this ready for. So I think I think sometimes that's difficult. I think the fear thing for me has got a lot better. So I literally now ask myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like, I just, you know, I've, I want, I'm putting on a special day in November. And it's a, in fact, this is the first time I've spoke about it. So basically, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be publicising it. And it's for Academy members only. It's an online um, event that we're doing, where and I have done little things like this, but never a whole day, where we plan 2021, where we review everything we've done, we goal set, I talk you through how I do all this, because I do it every year, how we break it down into quarters, how we then do campaign planning. We've also got some very special guests coming in doing things around mindset and very various different things. And when I put that list together, I literally went, who would be absolutely unbelievable to go there in this event? And I contacted them and I got a no, okay? And normally that no would have devastated me. And they sent me the most beautiful no, you know, and if you ever do get a no from these amazing people, they are normally very gracious and very lovely. Um, And I said to my husband, I'm absolutely gutted about that actually. And he's like, but you haven't lost anything. And and I have to then, so I probably had 10 minutes of like, mm, that's a shame and being a bit grumpy. But then I was like, well, do you know what? It was, you know, I asked at the end of the day and I haven't lost anything. And what's the worst that could have happened? They said no. And what happens then? Nothing. You know, they just said, no, I don't lose any money. My arm doesn't fall <laughs> off. My daughter is still safe. And I know that sounds like an extreme thing to think about, but honestly, I have seen people who are phenomenal not do very well purely because they're terrified and it's like if you could just try if you could just get that bravery to go do you know what and then realize that you didn't die then you know the sky's the limit so for me not so much that now um I still you know you don't like it if people don't say nice things about you but to be honest I very rarely get that which touch wood fingers crossed um But yeah, I think it's just a case of the planning thing. I need to get way better at that. And my team, I'm the bottleneck all the time. 
Like, Teresa, we've done this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you there. Teresa, we should bring things to a close, but I need to remember to ask you what's usually the last question I ask every guest. And that's what's one thing that you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? So for me, it's the mindset thing. When I started my business, I thought, how hard could this be? I'm serious. Like, honestly, I look back and laugh at myself for my naivety because I did marketing. I knew it. Like, I was good at it. So I genuinely thought, well, this is what I've done for my job for literally 16 years. And well, no, not at that point. It was like 10. And I thought, how hard could this be? I never once thought about how important my own mindset was. So I can have all the best tools, tactics, strategies in the world. And believe me, I literally screenshot funnels like you wouldn't believe. I constantly opt into things because I just (laughs) want to see what they do. So, you know, this is like literally in my DNA. But if I wake up in the morning and feel the fear, which I did because I didn't launch, if I wake up and just feel like I don't want to do it or someone says something mean or I look at someone else who's doing amazingly and get complete FOMO or, you know, they're doing great and no one likes me and then basically it doesn't matter how good my strategies and knowledge is, I won't do the work. So for me, the mindset piece is like, that's the bit. And when I look at the people who I sort of, aim to be like or I'm inspired by they have that fairly sewn up they realized very early on that that was the key almost to their their kind of success in the sense of when you get knocked down which you do constantly you get back up again and you get back up again and you get back up again and you have got some well you've got to have some amazing resilience to be able to do that and that's what I work on now. That's what I have a morning routine. I meditate every morning. I journal all the time. Like I'm constantly saying to my husband, I'm going to journal that out. I'm going to journal that out. Like, and, and I have to do a lot of work around learning things. I read personal development books and business books, like they're going out of fashion. But that for me, that's what's enabled me to keep going and having this unwavering faith, which I do, that Everything I want, I'm going to get. It's going to come. But it's not going to be a straight line. It's not going to be like easy peasy. So I've just got to keep going and going and going. So I need that resilience. That's a fantastic answer. Teresa Heathwearing, if people want to take things further with you, how can they do that? How would you like them to get in touch with you? So you can pick your favourite platform and Google my name and you will find me. But I am more often on Instagram or more regularly on Instagram than anywhere else. Um, And I do love an Instagram story. Uh, Or you can just go to TeresaEthwearing.com and you'll find me there. Teresa Ethwearing, thank you very much for your time. I can't wait to speak to you again and properly meet you in person because I don't think we've actually spent any time together. No, I don't think we have, no. So, no, I just can't wait for that in general when we can actually see real people again. It'll be amazing. (laughs) Thank you very much. If you don't ask, you don't get. We've all heard that a million times, but we hear it a lot because it's true. The main problem most people have in business and in sales is that they never actually make an offer. So make an offer. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't, join the Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me. You'll find me on social media wherever you hang out. My name's at Bob Gentle. 
easy to find. If you do connect with me, message me, let me know, that way I can follow you back. If you've enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me, and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Teresa for giving us her time this week, and to you for listening. See you next week. <laughs>